This is MarTech Interviews, a podcast from DK New Media, publishers of MarTech, the leading publication for sales and marketing professionals to research, discover, and learn how technology is driving business results. Your host is Douglas Carr. Hello, welcome back, everybody. Uh, pleased to be sitting here at Dell Tech World, which is exciting, of course, uh, with Mark Stein. Mark, welcome. Thanks so much, Doug. Very, uh, very happy to be with you here at Dell Technologies World. I'm not sure I'm as excited at, at being in Las Vegas for the 90-something time, <laughs> yeah. but that, that's where it seems these uh, get-togethers always occur. Yeah, well, it's always just an incredible show. Yeah, it's funny that you're, we're in Vegas, but, you know, the I think I'll be here for five days, and I probably won't see anything of Vegas. Yeah. You know, I, I, I walk through and see people gambling, but I'm going to work every day, basically. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Well, I, one of the things that I was really amazed at uh, in talking to Dell and just kind of doing some background, Dell's a client, of course, so I have to uh, provide some full disclosure there. Um, but Dell is really at the forefront, I think, within uh, any industry at building kind of this single view of the customer. And of course, you're you're at the lead, you know, you're at the lead chair involved in that. And so. Um, You've got a team of data scientists, design thinkers, program managers, and you've really constructed kind of this uh, this incredible system where you guys get a view of your customer. And it's that's how did you, how did you manage that with so many brands, a global you know a, a global company, uh, all of these different silos. It has to be thousands of systems, right? Yeah, you know, Doug. When we came together with Dell, EMC, VMware, and all the strategically aligned businesses, this was not a nice to have for us. It was a requirement. And the question would be, well, hey, why is that a requirement? Well, when Dell was a smaller entity, we were still a very direct-focused organization. And so we wanted to have that end-to-end view of the customer. But I would say even though we were a multi-billion dollar company, we were small enough where the sales team and the support team dedicated to a customer, if there was an issue, if we had a question about what was going on in the account, we could schedule a Microsoft Outlook meeting, send a couple of Excel spreadsheets back and forth, and um, in a combined, I'll call it digital plus analog way, find out what was going on. When we merged and doubled the size of the company with all of these strategically aligned businesses a few years ago, we had to accomplish that 100% now using data insights and analytics. And so there was a requirement out of the gate because it was what we were telling customers, hey, when we create this combined entity, you're going to be able to get value at the point where one plus one equals three, right? All of these companies coming together, yeah. our job is to make it easier to do business with, to decomplexify technology. And so we needed to find a way to bring all the data, insights, and analytics across all of these companies to orchestrate that value proposition that we had promised to customers when we announced the merger. That makes perfect sense. So, and it's got to be just a luxury, you know, to some of the acquisitions that you've done too, that people can can kind of go in the fold and do research at a customer level, identify where there might be a gap for their solution, right? It's it's still a journey. By no means are we ready to declare victory, but no. um, maybe it makes sense to talk about some of the steps that we've taken I'd over the past that. few years yeah. to, to get to where we are, and then we can also talk a little bit more about where we're trying to set our sights. Perfect. So um, I would say whether or not it's our customers, our competitors, or Dell Technologies, we are all at the confluence of a number of external factors that are changing um, that make 
data this potential uh, phenomenal asset for us to use for the benefit of, of the company or the customer. So what's going on out there? Number one, the explosion of edge computing. Some people call it um, IoT, right. uh, some people call it the edge, but what are we talking about, right? When we grew up, um, and, and you and I look to be more or less the same uh, vintage, <laughs> you know, you jump in a taxi cab, um, there was no way to track that ride, not to know where you were going. You know, you think now when you go jump into a car using an Uber or a Lyft or what have you, there's data that's being created, right. where you're going, how long you're staying there, what you're, uh, where you're frequently uh, visiting, that is a tremendous um, mine for potential insights and for marketers and what have you. And so this data explosion um, is occurring on any device, whether or not that's a sensor or a thermostat um, in an oil field or whether or not that's the B2C example that I gave. So that's the excitement of it. The challenge is all of this data is coming in in an unstructured way, like you said, from right. hundreds if not thousands of data silos. And so how do we aggregate that data? So the first couple of things that we needed to do, number one, was actually bring together an end-to-end -end data governance committee, an information governance committee where um, this data lives in individual silos that people like I or my peers own in the company. Yep. And that data, for us to get real value, it has to be connected um, and it has to be governed so that we make sure that it's secure, that we understand who's accessing it, et cetera. And so we stood up an information governance team from all different parts of the business, whether or not that's the services business, the product teams that are developing products, the sales teams, the marketing teams, so that we can start to piece together that end-to-end -end journey. Yeah. The second thing that we had to do um, was actually to create use cases. So what I've seen a lot of companies do, I don't know if you, uh, you said you're from the Midwest. Yep. I don't know if you ever saw the movie Field of Dreams. Oh yeah, okay, absolutely. So, so what I've seen a lot of companies do is take a Field of Dreams approach with data, which is, you know, if we build it, they will come, right? right. So they do right. this large investment in creating a data lake. They assume all different parts of the organizations are gonna to start to dump data into this data lake and it'll be connected. And then they think that the real exciting part is gonna be the last mile of analyzing that data, charting it, uh, graphing it, you know, coming up with um, really killer insights. That doesn't happen. Right. Um, this, if we build it, they will come approach doesn't work. So again, you've gotta first identify where is all of the data in the organization? then not focus so much on building this data lake, but having more of a focus on data links, right? What are the unique identifiers across all of these different data silos, whether or not that's part numbers or SKUs or whether yep. or not those, those are unique customer identifiers um, that allow you to start to take different data silos and connect those. And then the third thing that you have to do after you govern it and start to link it together is to actually have very focused use cases, right? So it's not that, oh, the insights will just start flowing from all this data. The folks in IT, the folks that own data science organizations have to be very tightly tied to the business to find out what are those questions that they're asking that where unique incremental insights could cause senior leaders to make different invest, invest, investment decisions or product decisions. So mm. that's really the journey that we've yeah. been on is trying to stay um, focused on two ends of the spectrum, the whole data information, data governance, data linkage, while at the same time, that's a different set of people that are actually 
bringing together unique business questions that real-time value and insights could cause the company to make more money or cause more customer centricity. It seems like there's a real opportunity there too uh, with that methodology that you're using to avoid the pitfalls of data too. And that's that, um, you know, businesses and, and consumers are starting to get upset how customer, how large businesses are utilizing or leveraging data. We see it with Facebook, right? You know, that sometimes they have to answer some uncomfortable questions. And sometimes I think that that was probably because they created the data lake and then they had people pulling data out and maybe abusing it the way that the governance committee didn't think about, right? And so that's a really interesting approach that if you go to a purposeful, you know, kind of approach, now you've got an organization that can really kind of set the guidelines on responsibility on how we're going to utilize this, how we're going to improve customer relationships with it, rather than just, you know, well, we got this data, you know, how can we make some money off of it? You're right. And and in Dell, we have both ends of the spectrum in terms of a B2B business and a B2C business. And taking a look back a couple of years, we see different requests from those different customer sets. So, you're 100% right that on that consumer end of the spectrum, folks want to understand exactly when they're giving you information, what it's going to be used for, not only then, but could be used for in the future. They want that unsubscribe button that's right at their fingertips from every piece of communication that comes out, whether or not that's an order confirmation or a piece of marketing material. But they really want to understand what's going on with that data and that it's being used for the purpose as to why they're engaging with you, not necessarily how you could exploit that. On the other hand, on a B2B customer point of view, they actually want us to be leveraging, expect us to be leveraging all the data that we exchange between the companies so that when we pick up the phone or when they have an issue, that the person that they're talking to is aware of everything that's going on. It's an expectation now. It's an expectation, right? They they don't want um, to place a call because there may be a delayed order um, and us not be aware that they called in not only about that order two two days ago, maybe went on the website three days ago and did an order status check, right? But they also want us to be aware that, hey, do you know that your sales team is coming in tomorrow to pitch us on this big new opportunity that we should go after? And by the way, there's no way I'm letting those guys in the door if you can't resolve this issue here that I have in front of me, Right. right? They don't expect us to be operating in silos. And so we see a difference in how the B2C expectations where customers often might be spooked if they think you know something that they didn't tell you directly about, wondering where you might have gotten that information. Whereas on the B2B side, they wanna make sure that they're not having to explain themselves to every different person in the organization that they're talking to. And they will be talking right. to to large numbers of people when you have you know, a Fortune 500 company like Dell on one end and a customer that's also a Fortune 500 company that they represent. Makes perfect sense. Um, was this truly a model that you guys had to innovate on or were there, you know, I, I'm curious, you know, I mean, I'm a geek, so I'm curious, you know, did you guys have to actually normalize and build your own kind of schemas, you know, to kind of pull this all together? Or or were there tools out there that you were able to implement that really aided in the, you know, in the sophistication, you know, of the models that you're building and the, and the platforms, obviously, accessibility from everybody? It's a great question. Um, 
this is still a very new space, right? The explosion of yeah. data, um, the buzzwords that are out there. Again, IoT, machine learning, artificial intelligence, big data, right? And then um, things that have come and gone, things like, you know, Watson, where, you know, this hype cycle has sort of come up and down. So there's a lot of solutions and vendors out there, but trying to sort out um, what's the hype and what's real was yeah. a challenge that was in front of us a few years ago. And so we really needed to leverage a lot of the assets that we have internally at Dell, but also use some partners. Um, let me talk about some of those assets internally. Yeah. So first of all, we own um, a company called Boomi, which is the leader, the Gartner Magic Quadrant leader in data integration. And so when I talked about um, how you find those unique identifiers and you allow incremental data sets to come in and find how to connect those silos and really create the seams yeah. between those silos, um, we were able to leverage Boomi, this technology that we acquired about five years ago. And that has helped us so that as new data sets come in or we want to try different data experiments, that we're able to do that in a very low code, nice. um, easily, uh, easily uh, uh, user interface way of doing that. So that we don't have to have people that um, are Boomi experts, but it's a very accessible platform. Um, so that's, that's sort of one area where we talked about on the integration. One area though where we had to go out that I talked about around data governance or data quality, as I spoke to other companies that were trying to do some of the things that we do, the only debate that we would have with these other companies is whose data was dirtier. I think every, there's this you know, feeling that your, your data could not be more unclean than ours. You know, it's so easy to spin up a new customer in the system, or it's so easy to create a new product or a new SKU. You know, our data is, is very dirty. Well, we found out, you know, if that's got to be the case, there, there's ways and partners that we can find that could go help us um, understand the quality of our data and then start to improve it. And so we've partnered with a company called Calibra, which actually starts to help develop definitions of when you're looking at basic things like an email address or a company name or an address, basic fields that start to be the integration fields, how you define good, better, best in terms of data quality. So you understand, can I rely on that field for yeah. accuracy? And more importantly, because nothing is going to be 100% accurate, how you create real-time dashboards that enable people to go in, whether or not that's sales teams, whether or not that's service and support teams, or whether or not that's using technology to go start to improve the data quality. And as that quality improves, right, then the you're connecting and integrating that data, then the quality of the insights improves. Yeah. Now, what we learned as we learned that you know everybody felt including us that the quality of our data could be better is that it's still better to make decisions based off of imperfect data than it is to make decisions with no data at all or be paralyzed and not make decisions and so we've really encouraged the teams to lean into improving quality but also don't be hesitant in this area where in a very agile mode as we're developing insights and testing things in the market or testing things with customers, if something goes wrong, we can agilely adjust the approach quickly and not be worried about it. Right, right. And and how much uh, how much does testing play a role as well? You know, you talked about like with Boomi, you were able to kind of bring in subsets a little bit easier with the low code environment. I'm curious, and uh, obviously you have the team, right? You have design thinkers and data scientists on at your disposal. What what kind of 
if it was going to be a percentage, you know, are you spending half of your time kind of testing models and, and seeing with this data? Or is it, you know, uh, fundamentally, you're still, you know, working on kind of a baseline, and then, you know, kind of testing will come down the pipeline? We've done something in Dell. We've, we've started to change our culture much more towards what we call a Dell digital way. So moving out of an old school, I would say, you know, you develop requirements, you go socialize those requirements, you put them on the roadmap, you get them funded, you go develop a product, and then it goes into test and user accepting testants, and yeah. you go, you know, from beta Old into waterfall, launch. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, by the time that's done, as you know, <laughs> yeah. the requirements have changed and the market has moved on. So right. I'm coming around to answer the question about testing, where we, as we've changed our culture, have really focused on a fail fast mentality or what we would call rapid prototyping. So again, don't get overly concerned around hitting all the requirements. Focus on a minimum viable product. Yeah. Get it in the get it in front of a customer. That customer may be your internal sales team or your internal marketing team or it may be the end customer. But get something out there fast to start to iterate. Because what we found internally, and as a senior leader, I, you know, I, I feel comfortable saying this, you know, usually we're wrong about 40% of the time oh. on the requirements that we thought customers were going to want. I love that you said that. I, I often say that, you know, people ask me all the time, you know, uh, same thing, you know, 25 years of experience in the industry, what, sh what should we do? And I always warn them ahead of time, well, I'm probably wrong half the time. So yeah, and, um, and, and it's, even as we are changing our culture and we do, you know, two-week sprints internally on a lot of the products that we develop um, that, again, are internal-facing or customer-facing, most of the people on those calls when we're running these core team meetings um, are from the data science, integration, yeah. IT organization, and we really have to continue to bring in, again, end customers or the sales team or the marketing team. Why is that important? Well, if we don't get those folks in, you would be shocked at how fast we go back to the next requirements that we want to take in mm. this sprint are things that we want to do to improve data structure or bring in more incremental insights or um, close out something that is much more internal facing, yeah. right? So, so we always have to keep asking ourselves, is this something that the customer wants or is this something we want to go do? And you would think those would always be aligned, but they're not. Data scientists and data architects, they have things that they want to go do because they're always um, experimenting or very intellectually curious. Right. Though, and, and we need to carve out some time for that intellectual experimentation. But those things are not always the things that customers want to see to help them get their next best, their next best action going. So failing fast, not having the internal teams dictate the requirements, but really having end users and customers involved in that um, ideation and that new Dell digital way, it's something that uh, takes a lot of focus and attention to make sure that we keep that customer, quote unquote, in the room. It's, a, it's an amazing... Um you know, that Dell digital way that you're talking about, it's a culture that we've, you know, I've, we've probably done with the Dell Luminaries podcast. You know, we've been doing that for two years. The comfort level of senior leadership within Dell on continuous change is incredible to me. Like, uh, you just don't see this in other organizations where there's, uh, you know, they, they absolutely recognize that change is going to be a part of the daily occurrence. And 
the ability to adapt and and building that agility uh, within the organization. What an incredible undertaking that that must be, you know. It, it is. I think we have been afforded by Michael Dell and the leadership team um, an unbelievable opportunity to be, you know, the go-to infrastructure provider. Yeah. And our customers are placing a very high demand, right? They they let us in the door. They're listening. They're buying. We're clearly, you know, taking share from our competitors. But back to one of the things we talked about at the beginning, they want to see us connecting the dots. Yeah. And so when they're coming in and saying, hey, we've um, got a new internal initiative that we're spinning up a new channel at, uh, at let's say, a customer. They're developing a new product. Um, and they need all of Dell's support to help go do that. We've got to innovate fast, yeah. right? They don't want us to go and approach them as seven different companies to help figure out how we support that initiative. They right. expect us to go drop everything that we're doing and figure out um, how we take all the lesson and experience from that relationship that we had with them for years, but approach this new business initiative that they got with a fresh new approach. And so our customers in this new world of Dell Technologies and in this new world of data explosion, they want us to change and keep up with their pace of change. And so it's been great. You know, we're able to take products that we've developed internally, whether or not that's things that we've talked about like end-to-end um, -end customer 360, or whether or not that's taking the connectivity data that we have with our products and we use it to drive lower cost to service and higher level of customer experience. They want to know how we've done that internally and then how to productize that and bring that into their organization for their new products and their new mm. channels. And so that's been exciting that we feel like we're on this journey with our biggest customers, not as just a technology vendor, but really a partner in developing these yeah, things you're, together. You're, you're helping drive the innovation. You're not waiting you know, to, to be told what to do. You're actually helping push them to go in the right direction. It is, it yeah. is. And, and I think, you know, being here at Dell Technologies World, this is a great example Absolutely. of where we have customers that are going to come up, um, whether or not those are automotive companies, whether or not those are healthcare companies, whether or not those are governments, that are going to be talking about ways that they're innovating with technology, partnering with Dell, um, in ways that you just couldn't have even imagined four or five years ago. Yeah, incredible. Well, uh, last question for you, because I'm just curious, you know, in this agile environment, and, and the message that I want everybody to really listen to here is, if a company Dell's size <laughs> can achieve these steps and really implement this, the opportunity for a smaller organization to really embed these key criteria, key processes is, is so important. My last question to you is, the measurement, the measurement of success, you know, um, at your level, you know, within the organization, looking globally at it, how do you measure this success? How do you see whether what you're doing is actually, you know, moving in the right direction? Of course, there's sales, you know, uh, but, but how else are you measuring, you know, the impact of these efforts? So to unlock the power of data and digital transformation, even in a company of Dell size, you've got to start small with a very specific use case. Great. So back to, it's not if you build it, they will come. Right. No, you've got to be tackling a key business problem that usually has customer measures of whether or not that's net promoter, whether or not that's customer experience or customer adoption, that has 
business case and strong financial metrics to it. Yeah. And then as well, operational metrics, right? Internally, companies talking about efficiency, on-time delivery, et cetera. And those things, the, are, if done well, you can show how all of those different KPIs are connected, right? It's very difficult over a long period of time to think that you could be maximizing things operationally and financially, um, but it not benefit the customer right. or the other way around. And so when you start with very small use cases, it enables you to define a set of key KPIs across those three spectrums. Again, a key customer KPI or two, a key financial KPI or two, and then a key operational KPI or two, and set that as a balanced scorecard against a very specific business case. So it's and really in those agile teams, you know, you've got the ability to go grab some data that's available. Again, it may not be the perfect data or the right. best data, but the point that you're trying to get is let's get what we have. It may not be perfect, but it's progress. And then let's look at incremental trends. So the great thing is you're you're planning this agility with measurement in mind. You've got yeah. to. You've got yeah. to. I mean, if... I think all companies, large or small, if you're putting in the one hand making money and financial decisions and in the other hand things that customers want and customer experience and you feel like there is a trade-off yeah. in most organizations, the CFO is going to win that and yeah. the customer stuff may be viewed as a nice to have. So the ability to go into any project with a balanced scorecard and get some key cross-functional indicators um, and just pulse those as you're going through, it's critical to the longevity of success for any one of these initiatives, large or small, because you cannot make gains on, the be on behalf of customers, usually without some level of investment. But if you've got the right data and analytics, you'll be able to show how that increase in customer satisfaction, that increase in net promoter score, that increase in renewal rate quickly pays back right. and justifies the investment that's needed up front. Well, there's no doubt we're seeing the impact of your work at Dell. I, I mean, and I mean that. I'm not even sure that you guys have a competitor <laughs> anymore. And it's really starting to show through. You you know, you can see it uh, publicly in in, in uh you know, the customers that you're working with. It's really, truly inspirational what you guys have done. Thanks for spending time with me today, Mark. Thanks so much, Doug. And I agree with you. I've been here 15 years at the company, and I plan to be here another 15 years with Michael's leadership and the infectious focus on the customer that we see yeah. throughout our 140,000 employee base. This is a great place to be. I appreciate you having me. Incredible. Subscribe at martech.zone. Sponsorships and marketing services are available through dknewmedia.com.